Hello, everybody. It's Martin Kiernan here, and welcome to the first podcast of 2023. We're going to be talking about surgical site surveillance today, so I'm delighted that I've got two real experts to chat this over with, which is Professor Judith Tanner from Nottingham and Melissa Rochon, who's now the new trust-wide surveillance and innovation lead for Gardens and Thomas's NHS Trust, which is a as Melissa's just been telling me, a John Otter initiative. So they have a surveillance and innovation directorate now. So that's going to be very exciting. So now you two have had a long history in surgical site infection and surveillance. What's the difficulty with with getting good data to start with? Because I know back in the day when I was an orthopedic nurse, you were in for 14 days till your stitches came out if you had a hip replacement. And these days I'm reading people going home on the same day. So that's that's a challenge, isn't it? So I think I think the first challenge really is to, to offer an in perspective initiative. Um, so you're following the UKHSA uh, recommendations in terms of their protocol, um, so that you have that reliable and robust data. For us, I think one of the main barriers has been within the post discharge surveillance space, and we know with shortening sort of inpatient stays, if you, as you've just alluded to, but also the pressures now on staff to, you know, drive the efficiencies, reduce the waiting lists. There, this this issue is really uh, compounded. Judith, what do you think in terms of barriers to surveillance programs? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we're doing some interviews just now, actually, and uh, when we're speaking with staff, they we we say what are the barriers, and it's always the same thing comes up. You know, it's uh, resources, it's staff, and it's time. So, and we don't have, you know, we can't we can't provide more staff, and we can't provide more time. So it's about better ways of working really and coming up with solutions for doing the you know the process of surveillance um differently which kind of ties in very nicely to um a product that Melissa and I that have been working on mainly led by Melissa and uh, a team of um um AI specialists Melissa I don't know if you want to talk about that or before Martin, you jump in, before, before, no 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 before you jump in on that do you think when people say hey great we can get through you know patients very quickly and we can shorten the length of stay what would the impact that of that be on our current surveillance system or does that like just say right let's get them out quickly and you can sort out the surveillance later do you think that's ever factored into when people change practice I think that the the focus on safe early discharges provides a really exciting opportunity, actually, for surgical site surveillance in particular. And and the reason why I say this is is out of not only sort of the work we're doing in the UK, but a government-led initiative to look at surveillance in, in the states where they're considering how can we get, you know, this data for public health goals or priorities alongside of directly improving patient care? And I think that uh, remote surgical wound monitoring is a fantastic example, actually, of how you can support safe early discharges. Yeah, because at the moment, uh, post-discharge surveillance is, I mean, how would you, how really would you do it in, a, in, the, in the world at the moment? You know, questionnaires, yeah, yeah. No, this is you don't get back. People, you know, you yeah. have different people reviewing the wounds all the time. So there's not a, I mean, how robust actually is PDS at the moment? Well, indeed, I think that COVID, uh, you know, post-pandemic has sort of cancelled a lot of the face-to-face follow-up. So you're looking at um, huge swathes of the methodology being removed from practical processes 
Um, and two, like you've said, I don't think that the traditional postal route is is particularly reliable. It never was no. when actually post was in fashion. And no. now we're seeing, you know, the decline of questionnaires at 30 days. Um, but, you know, working with Judith, and I think one of the things that she said to me really early on that resonated with me is there wasn't an opportunity to improve patient care if you're just looking at the retrospective 30 days. Mm. And I think that we don't have the indulgence any longer of spending um, money on you know the staff and the resources necessary for post-discharge surveillance unless it actually contributes to improving patient outcomes. Mm, okay so tell me about the project then. We'd love to. So this was uh, an initiative sort of that followed our work about using the um, using wound images or photographs early on in, in improving the patient information. So their information needs um, with the photo at discharge uh, about 2020. So just when COVID was really picking off, we had decided to step into using a platform that would allow us to not just use images and information within the hospital setting, but to extend that to when patients went home. So the platform we're using is Isla. Um, the way we went about it was uh, through an initiative with Kings, as well as Guys and Toms, and what was separate at that time, Rob Rompton in Harefield. And we also had a, a satellite partnership with Liverpool at the time as well. So together, these multiple centres across the adult as well as paediatric services first decided to ask patients what they would like. So just getting bedsides, um, at finding out what would work. Did patients want to submit to a portal? Would it be useful for us to do a telephone follow-up or the um, poster route or something that would be an app uh, or using text technology? And actually, telephone was the patient preference by mm -hmm. patient in care because there are, there are parents involved. Uh, and that was because they wanted to be able to ask questions. Mm. However, using a text method was sort of the next best. And if we could take the best of both worlds, because telephone, again, can be quite laborious, as you know, you oh, know, yeah. you need to call repeatedly and, and um, can be quite lengthy discussions with patients. So we thought, well, text technology, because it's been around for the last 40 years, people like that. Uh, they don't have to install anything or download or register. So together with our centres, we launched um, a pilot period using Isla to see how we would get on and gave the platform our, our know-how when it comes to things like photo at discharge, our know-how that we've inherited from studies like the TWIST study by um, McLean et al., where they were saying, really, you want to have some branchings questions as well. Um, and we found that the uptake was quite exciting across the different patient groups. Uh, to date, I think we have about almost 7,000 unique patients that have used the system. And across our multiple sites, the response rates, I was, I was sort of at pains to say when we published, our response rates of 87% uptake were yeah. among the lowest I mean, of, the, of the yeah. partner sites. So, yeah. so it's gone very, very well. Yeah, I mean, 87, you would consider to be pretty good anyway. So if that's the lowest, that's quite impressive, really. So, I mean, the system, do they use text messages? They, they text photographs in, or do they go through an app, or does it go through a portal? or, or How does it actually work in practice? I Say I've had a coronary artery bypass graph at your hospital. I've survived that bit. I've gone home. How does it work for me? 
Okay, so we have two approaches. You might have a photo at discharge. So the nurse, before you leave, takes the picture, does a bespoke assessment. And with that, an automatic schedule is set. Um, you'll have seen how the platform works with the nurse. Um, and you'll have received sort of scheduled automated requests that asks you through a text link um, to confirm who you are and to consent to the process and then to provide images and information on your wound healing. Uh, it's, as I mentioned, a very low friction uh, uh, sort of engagement because we know patients, they're usually acute, right? So yeah. it's a temporary, um, they don't want to uh, download or install anything. And um, you can also bulk upload. So say you're doing like as we are um, using ILA in C-sections, well, the, the length of stay is incredibly short. You're not going to get a picture because the wound is covered. Mm. And in those cases, we just do bulk uploads. The schedule is set. The patients receive the requests and submit that way. Okay. So um, all in all, quite straightforward, I'd like to think. Yeah, yeah, because I was wondering then if it's texts, Often a text photograph costs you cost would cost the patient something, whereas if it was an app, then that wouldn't cost anything. Do apologise. The poodle has just fired off because somebody's <laughs> turned up at the door. <laughs> Not to worry. Not to worry. Well, just on that, it's a progressive web application, which means that um, the user experiences it through a browser-based approach. So they can answer these requests via email um, on their PC, on the tablet, or on a phone. Um, they can also install Isla, or clinicians too can install it, so it behaves like a native app. Also, oh, okay. so it's not it's not a, just a text as, as in that respect. It's actually it is like an app, but it doesn't require the installation, the registration, etc., which we know is a, a barrier to patient uptake. Okay, I mean you had great uptake. Um, and you showed that some people either didn't want to do it or they weren't very tech savvy. Would there be an opportunity for a relative of a patient to upload for them, you know, just to just to increase uptake? It's like, you know, I mean, my, my mother was 95 and was still WhatsApping and doing daily wordles until about a week before she passed. So she would have been very tech savvy. But a lot of people of 65 and you know, in my age aren't that tech savvy. But if you had family who would say, yeah, yeah, so I'll upload that for you, would there be some opportunity for other people to be able to do it or would it be have to be patient specific? Uh, absolutely. You can nominate an alternative, like a relative to do that. And that's what we do in the case of pediatrics anyway, where we're nominating the parent um, to be the responder. So yes, you can do. And, and a lot of patients do take advantage of that. They find it a lot easier. And, and this is I think um, an interesting, Judith mentioned a bit of work that's ongoing at the moment about finding out more uh, about patient preferences. Judith, do you want to say a bit about that, just how how patients would like to engage with surveillance? Yeah. Oh, well, I was just going to pick up and say that I think when you're discharging the patients, Melissa, what you're doing is not just speaking to the patient, but you're also often speaking to the family member at that point at discharge. So you're getting there. Um, so you, you were talking about patients who, you know, perhaps... Um, they're older, you know, it might be there's language issues in terms of different languages spoken. It could be, you know, the location of their wound. It might be somewhere, you know, on the back of your head and you're not able to get a photograph. So I, I think that um, when you're using Isla, it's it's the team, it's the family team or the patient and their team rather than just the patient. Um, because when we do speak with patients, they they a lot of them are talking about, oh, my son comes and he helps me do this and I got him to take the photograph. And so absolutely there is involvement of, uh, of the family in terms of um, 
collecting images. Absolutely. Mm. And Melissa, I've forgotten what you what you asked. Oh no, just on the so on the other research that we're we're involved with in order to find out more about patient uh, barriers to participating or what they what they're interested in or how they'd like to provide information. Um, just that work, if you wanted to comment. Oh yeah. So Melissa and I are involved in another study, which is called Target Wound Infection, and um, part of that we've been um, looking at how can we improve engagement with surveillance, you know, from a patient's perspective and also from a staff perspective. And when we've been speaking with patients, they have been saying, um, yes, they're happy to get involved. They like the idea of the remote um, surveillance. Ideally, when what they're interested in is about support and a contact with the hospital and being able to um you know have have somebody that they can ask questions about about because often they're anxious i mean what was really interesting with the study that's just been published in the journal of hospital infection is we looked at the numbers of pictures and images that people sent and the highest over the what let's say it was a 20 day period i think was 33 so we've got <laughs> one patient who's 33 times that's, that's sending called ta- in a photo that's time lapse <laughs> photography isn't it <laughs> <laughs> so so they want you know a lot of reassurance and it's in and it's quick it's very quick to um to, to respond to these images. I think uh, when we looked at the length of time for clinicians, it's, it's oh, like about 45 minutes. That was spectacular. I read that in the paper, 45 minutes before you get a response if there was anything slightly yeah. concerning. And so that's really good. Absolutely, because for a patient who's anxious and debating, do I contact my GP? Do I want mm-hmm. to bother the GP? I'm not going to be able to see the GP. To be able to send off a picture and get a response back in 45 minutes, absolutely. It's just what a fantastic um, patient engagement in terms of patient satisfaction. Brilliant. And we're able to pick up, you know, um, emerging, developing wound issue problems quickly, really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then we can nip it in the head, you know, nip it, nip it in the bud and, um, you know, prevent things, problems from getting worse. I mean, you wonder how much GP time that would have saved, to be honest, because some of these patients may well have been trying to get appointments with GPs sitting on the phone for ages. And I, I, I have to say that was one of the most staggering things was to get a response within 45 minutes. So, I mean, is that a medic or is that a nurse? Is that a doctor or a nurse who would do the response? So it depends which site. I mentioned we're working across a number of different sites, so we mm. have different models. In the paper, we were referring to our surveillance team who were monitoring the platform, engaging with the multidisciplinary team, usually the consultant directly and taking sort of, you know, next steps if needed. Um, at other centres, it's the tissue viability nurse nursing team, for instance, at Liverpool, right. at St. Thomas. They're using their advanced nurse practitioners who are running a, uh, a terrific service. And um, I think in paediatrics and Kings, they're using staff nurses to cover the the um, surveillance program so it it really depends on which model you like we were very keen within our setting to make sure the surveillance team understood what is the work burden involved here it is a new and increasing workload yeah um but i think that there are some you know there are some rewards to that for the for the patient absolutely uh we we've looked at you know how many face-to-face um visits we've pre- been able to prevent in snapshots and it's 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 really terrific the time released yeah. um, in terms of face-to-face and trying I to work out cost effectiveness is a key thing isn't it if you're going to sell it to it somebody is. you know it is. i remember judith is. years ago got a huge program 
funded by a chief exec because they were so impressed with the actual surveillance program they put it in a small way and you'd have to do something similar i mean you're actually able to quantify the the amount of time taken by this system compared with your traditional system of either phone calls or or letters and and you know getting the better return rate is obviously a better bang for your buck as well so th- that's a piece of work that was published in the Nursing Times by the colleague Julie, our colleague Julie Trier, who is in Liverpool. She she actually looked at the advantage of having the images and the engagement on the platform versus a telephone follow up, and unsurprisingly, much much quicker, which we mm. mentioned in our paper too. Mm. Um, if you have that, I think it's important as well to consider this is this is something where you know you can actually. Um, charge the there the, there is a commissioning service that's looking to if you're performing a telephone uh, follow-up and not just because you know the patient contacts you we mean because you're worried about the wound and you're going to take you know contact the patient there is a, um, a modest revenue stream attached to that too okay. um, we just need to make sure that surveillance links into that that clicks into that mm-hmm. another cost issue martin which we haven't talked on and one that's you know going to get increasingly important is the carbon footprint oh yeah that was an interesting point of the paper. Yeah, and and we've got a, a small aspect on that in the paper that was just published. I, I've not seen many other studies that talk about the carbon footprint. So, Melissa, you've got more details on this because it was you that was collecting the data on this bit. So a shout out to Rose Gallagher, who kindly from the RCN, who kindly pointed in, me in the direction of that incredibly useful tool. And I think it is interesting to consider the impact um, on the environment when you're looking at readmissions uh, or even, you know, remote wound care for these patients. Um, what I was surprised about, and I did think that our our reoperation rate was in step in other with other reported sources, but I was I was really surprised to see the impact that that would have in terms of carbon emissions. You know, much higher than the original surgery. So that's something something as well to, to consider when you're um, talking about a sustainability program within your trust or organization. Mm. I mean, this relies on somebody looking at it and thinking that's a wound infection. So, do you have specific criteria to say that this this means that? And would there be any opportunity in the future to think for artificial intelligence to actually analyze a photograph? I mean, I know it's, that's tricky, but could could AI pick up on something and then flag that to somebody else? So you, you're even automating the surveillance. What's the opportunity for that, do you think? So I'll, I'll tackle the first bit and then I'll ask Judith to go on and, and mention in brief we, uh, what we can on, on the question around um, computer vision and artificial intelligence. So just on the, the first bit, I think that uh, one of the things that I found really surprising in the piece of work we've recently published is the number of infections that would have been reported and recorded by the surveillance program as SSIs when actually they were adjunct wounds, which of course are important like drain sites or or groin wounds, wouldn't have been collected. So there's a a real drive to improve um, the accuracy of the data just by having that visual element. We do use the um, UKHSA uh, criteria for post-discharge surveillance to record an SSI. So, you know, they have sort of three criteria there. But um, I think it's really important for us to capture information on delayed wound healing or, as you, you know, this early, early identification. Um, so even though 
a dehist wound or gaping or opening wouldn't be recorded as an SSI if the patient didn't have a, you know, two, two additional signs or symptoms. For us, it's really important that we action that. Mm. So in ter- the, about your question of do we have a um, sort of roadmap to what, what we do and when we do it? Yes, we have a standard, standard operating procedure. We do look at just SSI criteria, but also different issues for patients that might need referral or follow up, um, like delayed wound healing or, you know, uh, whether it's just practical advice or um, referral to the GP for certain um, elements. Judith, did you want to just say a bit about what we can in terms of Martin's question on AI? Um, So absolutely, Martin, um, AI is a perfect solution for this um, digital um, monitoring scenario. Um, because remember, we came back, um, we said earlier that it was about staff time and it's about new ways of working. So if we have some AI element to this, then hopefully we can reduce staff time and it's a new way of working. So absolutely, yes, there's AI component um, would fit in perfectly with this. We have published on using AI in um, in improving image quality from patients or clinicians. So we're, we are working in this space already and have um, have some work out on just the feasibility of, of using uh, AI in this space. So quite exciting. Okay. Do you think there's any opportunity to build this into a, like a, a, a whole patient pathway app where somebody is referred for surgery and so they download an app and it gives them some helpful advice, like maybe you, you're away off so... And if you're having a hip replaced on the NHS at the moment, you could actually go on a diet and lose half your body weight. It's going to take that long. Uh, but, you know, to give you advice along certain parts of the pathway, maybe you give up smoking a few weeks before, you know, or even in completely uh, in the few days before you should do this, please don't shave your own leg the day before. If, you're, if your organisation wants them to chlorhexidine bathe or bathe the day before just to, as a prompt to actually get them to do it before they come in and then what could to expect afterwards culminating in photographs so they're actually actively engaged in their own care. Do you think there's potential for that sort of thing in the future? No, I've already seen at least one or I'm involved with one creating one of those with a team from Japan. Um, so that currently exists and it's all automated and it's whizzy and and IT heavy it's really interesting but absolutely yes having a system that goes all the way through because in the NHS we have a lot of problems with systems we've got so many systems so many different databases and they don't talk to each other and trying to collect data trying to extract data um, you know with surveillance trying to extract data from all these different systems and implement it or upload it to the UK HSA database it's so time consuming. So if we did have, you know, a much more streamlined patient pathway that went all the way from pre-admission um, all the way through to post-charge would, would be absolutely perfect. And there are some apps already out there. Some do specific for pre-op. Um, we've got things like Isla, which are looking at post-discharge. So there are lots of things out there. It's about if we can get something that brings it all together, it'd be fantastic. Mm. I'd yes. love to just add to that also i think what where we've really gained traction in this space is we've purposely 
kept it straight, like simple. We're solving a problem, not all problems, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that with Isla, you know, we can send patients videos on how to change their dressing. We can add forms. We can do the, t- the text prompts on, you know, two days before surgery, please start your antimicrobial wash. This is all possible. But I think that um, we were really keen to demonstrate um, we know a lot of a lot of IT um, solutions struggle to actually deliver on what they what they want to, and e- even more fail to sort of sustain over time. So for for us, it really was about let's just do the proof of concepts that we can we can use this that it's meaningful for patients and clinicians, and then um, look to how can we develop something that is transferable. So, you know, as Judith mentions, lots of different um, systems, lots of different apps, etc. But if you develop a module within Isla, where we're, look- we're really concerned about the wound, focusing on that, that module can be placed in any other solution. In- we can embedded, just go yeah, be yeah. the go-to guys of, here, yeah. we'll cover the wound part for you, yeah. um, which, I, which I feel is quite, which is quite powerful. Okay. I mean, do you think you picked up more infections by by doing this route or do you just pick, think you picked up a wider range of complications? Because to me, it seems like it's a bit like the Americans have done with their ventilator-associated pneumonia surveillance. They now pick up ventilator-associated events, which is a broader category, but they, they're still all complications of a procedure which people might want to know about. So the fact that you're picking up drain infections and that sort of stuff, you, you know, you say it's not strictly speaking yet an SSI related to the wound, but it is a complication which could you know, could have impact. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think we're very much in step with the National Wound Strategy or National Wound Care. So I'm going to get NH- the, 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 whole, the whole wording wrong. Uh, the National Wound Care Strategy programs um, sort of emphasis that, you know, wound complication following surgery. We, we need to learn more about that mm. because there is a burden on the healthcare system and the patient more importantly. So let's find out... Um, more there and I think that that's incredibly exciting too because as far as I know there haven't been there hasn't been much published on surveillance programs looking specifically at surgical wound dehiscence Mm -hmm. as an example which you know there is some drive to collect that information on because ultimately there is there is a comparable cost in some cases, mm. although not the same concern in terms of, you know, your antimicrobial resistance and the like. Um, still quite, quite important information. Yeah. And another thing I picked up on is some of the cases actually didn't need antibiotics, whereas if they'd have gone down a different route, they may well have got antibiotics. So there's a potential that you've actually reduced antibiotic use through this system as well yes there's been a scenario-based study out of the states that suggests that the addition of an image can actually reduce the risk of over treatment which is something we'd love to learn more about okay and can also can i ask you what's been the reaction of the doctors the, the surgeons to this system because you know they it's going to be a bit different for them they make, do they get to see photographs if things aren't going well or do they get con- contacted more often and are they feeling positive about that or negative so they, um, there was, I think there were two camps. Some were concerned that this would open the door to more referrals back to the hospital, that the, you know, where's the, the infrastructure to cope with the additional uh, work that we'd be bringing back. We didn't find that. We found actually we were able to um, really help streamline the process for patients. So when they did come back to us, it was a very meaningful encounter. Um, but I would say most 
surgeons have been delighted and they you know they it's not uncommon for me to hear i you know i'd much rather have the picture there sort of overview provided um it saves me so much time it's very quick love this this is a way to do things okay. um so for them they've they've found it's been a terrific addition i think i wouldn't be wrong and and i think it speaks to the spread that we've seen at the different centers where we've had the surgeons really engaged in helping drive in, at least in the cardiac space, a lot of the uptake uh, for the program. Okay. I did a, an interview yesterday with one of the sites where they're using Isla, and I asked the same question um, to the, the, the surveillance lead nurse there. And she said, absolutely, the surgeons love it. And for two reasons. Um, they she don't said have to talk to anyone. Of, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said, <laughs> they love it because it's techie. The tech, the gadget, they love that. Um, and they said they can they can see the pictures. And she said that they'd had issues before around engaging with the surgeons and the surgeons kind of not quite believing their, you know, the the um the infection data that the surveillance staff were coming up with. But she said with this, the surgeons can see the picture, they go, Yeah, okay, it's an infection. So she said that, you know, the the engagement and the buy-in was better, but they absolutely love the tech gadget aspect of it as well. Mm. So Surgeons love it. Patients seem to like it because you've got a great response rate. Your surveillance team seem to like it. Does anybody, are, are there any downsides to this at all? Because I'm not hearing any. I, I think it comes back to how can we ensure that this program doesn't become a silo on other strategies looking at, as you've mentioned, pre or post-discharge periods, but also in hospital. So we've got the in-hospital section covered, we've got the post-discharge, but we, we would like to make sure that we're in keeping with other IT strategies. Um, so that's, that is a challenge. I think that the run to the tech space in itself, you know, for, um, provides a challenge because you'll you'll hear oh yeah yeah apps apps and it's you know it's been there done that for many people it didn't work the first time and you know if you say oh it's a progressive web application although google is champion progressive web apps people aren't really sure what that means and they they say oh yes no 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 not for us so um i think there's more work to do i would love to see more cardiac centers coming on board because i think it's really powerful if you get a a, a number of centers and then the learning from the post-discharge surveillance and answering the questions you've, like the ones you've asked us, Martin, um, that's what we need. We need research in this study. We need people using it and learning more and finding out, you know, is it seems, you know, it's a bit of a you know, success story now. Let's see where it goes in future. Mm. Yeah, mm. it really does sound like and not restricted just to, uh, just to cardiac either. Judith? One thing we're hoping to do some more work on, Martin, is underserved groups. So patients, for example, if they live in remote areas or where they don't have um, internet access, Wi-Fi access, um, those patients, you know, are they going to be disadvantaged? Are they not going to be able to take part? Um, so we're going to have to have a look at that and see what we can do to maximise um, engagement for all patients. Presumably people do, do go within range of mobile signal occasionally. So as long as they've taken the photograph at the right time and it just uploads when they pick up a signal. I suppose that yeah so but we're going to have to do, do some work around that to see what's uh, you know what what the story is what's happening there but i think we have to remember that you know for patients that you can't get access to there's still the phone calls that you can yeah, yeah. always fall back on you know obviously that's labor intensive but it you know if we want to reach everybody but at the moment we don't reach everybody but we're certainly with isla we're going to get more so yeah. um so mm -hmm. that you know that's something we need to um have can you know continue to look at 
Okay, well, thanks very much. It's absolutely fascinating. I mean, you know, I, I, I could see this being rolled out for all sorts of forms of surgery. You know, why why not? Because length of stay is now hours rather than days. So unless you've got an incredibly comprehensive surveillance system that you try and you're ringing people up all the time or relying on the post, which is not reliable anyway, and that doesn't include photographs, this is just instant. And it's, you know, the response time of 45 minutes is staggering, really. And no wonder people like that. And I'd love to know how much time you could even estimate that that's saved from GPs and people. I mean, it's, you're actually getting a response quicker than you would actually get through to the GP ringing up to make an appointment, let alone anything else. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, there's something to that, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Any final points, guys? So from our side, I would be really keen to invite um, colleagues to get in contact with us after, you know, either through this um, podcast or through the journal articles, uh, pick up our, our details because it is a new area and it would be terrific to work with others. Lovely. Judith? No, absolutely. Second that, Melissa. Okay. Well, in that case, thank you very much. I've thoroughly enjoyed this one. First one of the year. Looking forward to talking to you again, no doubt, over the next period because i think we're going to be seeing a lot more increased interest in surgical site infection so thanks very much for joining me both of you pleasure thank you Warren. and we'll, everybody else will catch you again on the next podcast thanks very much <laughs>